Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Thanks so much for being back again this week. Every week, I try to bring you guests that challenge you, make you think, and and help you along the way to be better men, better fathers, and more engaged with your own daughters. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some tougher topics, but we're going to be talking about some things that are really important. We're going to be talking about mental health. We're going to be talking about depression, suicide, some of the demographics of what are happening in our society today. We've got a great guest that's joining us. Dr. Robert Zeitlin is with us today. And Dr. Zeitlin and I go back quite a few years. We used to work together on another podcast called The Dad Spotlight that we would come together and talk about issues just like these. And lately, he and I have been talking a little bit more about some of the trends that we're seeing in society today, how we're seeing more men that are struggling out there in many different ways. And we thought it would be important to come together and start having some meaningful conversations with you about some of these tough topics and get you to start thinking about them as well. Dr. Zeitlin, thanks so much for being here today. It's my pleasure, Christopher. It's great to be back with you. It's my pleasure having you back and being able to talk with you on these these challenging topics. And today we're going to be talking about some of the changing demographics, some of the things that we're seeing out there in the world that are impacting men in so many different ways, fathers in so many different ways. And I think that first and foremost, I guess I want to start from a high level and You've been working as a positive psychologist for many years. You've been working with children. You've been working with men, fathers, lots of different people. And I know that in talking to you, you're starting to see a little bit of a shift in some changing things in, in society. Some may be for the positive. Some might not be. Let's start at the high level. What are you starting to see when you are looking at men and fathers today? I'm seeing, uh, and maybe it's my vantage point, being a father of some older kids, but seeing some young dads that are coming in doing things really differently than I experienced and I looked around when I was looking for examples as I was trying to figure out this fatherhood thing. I'm seeing a lot of progress in the direction of emotional intelligence. I'm seeing a lot of progress in the uh, direction of embracing vulnerability and starting to have conversations about how to make things more equitable in the home. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of a lot of progress lately. That's a really positive sign. And you talked about vulnerability. And for me, I think that one of the things that I've seen over the years is, I guess, more men that are willing to be a bit more vulnerable. And I can say that in growing up myself, I mean, I my grandfather would never have talked, been vulnerable with me. He was very closed. He, I, I was sometimes challenging to get him to talk about anything. My father, I think, was a little bit better. And I think that I try to be very vulnerable with my kids. And, and I agree with you that, that things are, are moving, I think, in the right direction. But that being said, I know there's still men out there that see vulnerability as weakness. 
When you run into those type of men that are concerned about being vulnerable and what that says about them as a man, what that says about them as a man, what do you say to them? And how do you help them to start to think about things differently? Yeah, I, I think there's, you know, again, I think we can get back to sort of the old school way of like, you tell them this, you know, you teach them that, you know, as opposed to sort of getting in their shoes and empathizing where they're coming from. Ultimately, the message that I eventually had to learn was that vulnerability didn't equal weakness. And so how do you get there with someone who's in a defensive posture or someone who has developed a way of being that is more based in aggression or anticipating aggression, it's really challenging. And I I think where you have to begin is with understanding what their worldview is. Someone wise once said, you know, if you don't understand where someone's coming from, but you were able to get to understand what their hopes are, what their fears are, what their worldview is, and, and really processed all the experiences they've had, then you would know exactly what it felt like to stand in their shoes. And I think one of the one of the skill sets that I definitely wasn't raised with was make that effort to empathize and understand where someone else is coming from. Now, if you were never raised that way, how do you start to learn how to best be able to put yourself in that type of situation, in those other person's shoes, to be able to start thinking in a different way. Yeah, another wise friend of mine recently said, you know, some problems are problems you have to figure out, and some problems are problems that you need to go find out. And what he was implying is that some things don't require you sitting with pen and paper and mapping out how you're going to get from A to B. Some of them require with lacing up your boots and taking the first step in that direction. And when I look back at the process that led me here, where I'm sitting now, able to embrace things that used to scare me to death, even benign things that just put me into a beginner's place, made me feel like I didn't know what I was doing, that a lot of those barriers that I broke through to get from where I was raised to this point had to do with the find out way of doing things, of just taking some action and moving in a direction. Sometimes even faking it, even acting as if I knew what I was doing or as if the sky wasn't going to fall if I went into a yoga class or I learned about meditation or one of my great examples is going to improv comedy classes. These were terrifying moves for me that once I did muster up the bravery to take those first steps, the steps is what led me from one place to the other. Taking that first step is sometimes one of the hardest things that you can do, whether it's, like you said, doing that improv class or going and sometimes having that vulnerable conversation and opening yourself up and putting yourself out there because letting your guard down for many men is the epitome of being vulnerable. And so many men are not willing to, at least at first, let that guard down. They're always on guard and they always feel like they have to have some type of barrier up. For men that feel that they need to keep that barrier up, are there things that they can do or that you can do on the other end to help to get them to see the importance of lowering that barrier and to ultimately, hopefully, lower that barrier for themselves? Yeah, the two things that come to mind are creating a safe enough space where you can 
cool, let your hair down and and feel there are different settings that any of us live in where we feel more comfortable. Like I was telling someone the other day, you know, I was anticipating going to this potluck dinner at a community event and how I imagine sitting around the table with a bunch of people that I hadn't met and how my the person I've become, which is more outgoing and more vulnerable and able to take the risks you just described, might not feel comfortable coming out of his shell. And I might kind of revert to pre-2000, Robert. And then I thought there's another situation I was going to be in that weekend where I'd be completely comfortable and feel free to be silly and take risks and ask dumb questions and get laughed at and, and all the things that have led to so much growth. So the first answer to your question is to back up and figure out what's a safe enough environment to have that conversation. And that's really the big answer there. You know, we talk a lot on this show about the importance of having a community, having people around you that you're willing to be vulnerable with, to talk with, to express your joys, but also your fears, your sorrows, whatever it may be. That may not be easy, but it's important, and it's so important to be able to have people that you can go to outside of your immediate family unit, because so often we compartmentalize as men. And I know personally that the times that I'm able to surround myself by other men that are going through similar situations to myself, and I'm willing to be open and honest with them, there's a burden that is let off of my back as I am able to talk to them and be open with them. Are you seeing that having that type of community does have a positive influence on helping men to be able to move in the right direction when it comes to mental health? Yes, 100%. I think that is literally the prescription for creating a safe enough space where people can ask the questions that can start them down the road to figuring out what's going on and possibly get the help they need. I think you need spaces where people can ask peers and share what's going on with them and hear what's going on with others. And that used to only be really therapeutic environments. That used to be like group therapy. That used to be the sort of formal men's groups run by people like me. But I'm finding there are so many more venues now with the beginning of programs like Fathering Together, with the beginning of where we met, the, uh, the Dad Summit. You know, it's so rare for places for men to come together that isn't going to slip into the side street of let's talk about sports or let's get into a competitive mode or whatever, but that actually have conversations. I think ever since we've met, which I don't think it's 10 years ago, but coming up on it, I've just seen the propagation of more and more spaces like that. I can't express how healthy that is and how much hope that gives me to that some men are going to be connected with the information they need, the space they have, they need to ask the question and possibly the help they might need. It almost seems like from what you're saying and what we've been talking about, that all of these factors, all of these things, building community and being able to be vulnerable, all of these things help you in many ways to be mentally stronger and helping you to create that toolbox for yourself to become a more mentally strong father. As you look at the future are there other things that men need to be doing to be able to strengthen that 
for themselves and be able to be even stronger or even more mentally strong as they move through their lives and the lives of their children? Yeah, I think there are, I mean, when we talk about mental health and mental illness and some of the topics that brought us together for this series, I feel like that's a clinical layer of like when people are really in trouble and they're really in some sort of distress. But I think below that layer, there's a whole level of wellness and there's a whole level of maintaining a healthy lifestyle that includes, I mean, growing up really all healthy would have meant to me was maybe the way you're eating, but often just the way you're exercising. But the idea that wellness is more than physical health, it's actually mental health. And now we're expanding into emotional health and spiritual health. And so when you ask me what leads you there, I start to think of a whole set of practices that have become important in my life and in the life of many of my clients from simple, practical mindfulness, learning about mindfulness to getting more serious about things like meditation or getting into any kind of reflective practice, even getting back to prayer, things like journaling, things that are basic daily things that you can do. You know, I I played sports as a kid, but it wasn't really until like, honestly, high school until I started to see the value of stretching. So like all that time, you know, I'm using my muscles, but I'm not really sort of managing and maintaining and doing anything for longevity. And it's the same metaphor that I'm talking about now. I think there's so many wellness things that feel somewhat vulnerable, like I mentioned before, yoga or meditation. But we have a ton of research before you even get to clinical research about how people live longer and find more happiness and can achieve stronger relationships and can find the things that they really enjoy doing in life if we can start doing these daily kind of practices. Now, I know earlier you we were kind of talking about the fact that, like for my situation, As I look at my own grandfather, how he was raised, my father, how he was raised, how I was raised, that there is some aspect, as I think about this, that goes into the fact of questioning, how do you really become someone that you didn't see modeled growing up? Because we're talking about a lot of different things, being more vulnerable, being more open, being not being willing to be seen as, from some standpoints, weaker than you might have thought you needed to be. And some of that comes from your own background. So do you have thoughts on that, on how you really you do step in that direction of being able to be someone that, in your mind, you may not feel like you were raised to be? I think this is a great question. I think when I strain to think of the things that I saw in my dad growing up that I want to hold on to and that I want to build on, it's a struggle. But when I look back, like you're saying with your perspective of your father and your grandfather, I look back at the last two, three generations of fathers. The one thing that we do have in common is each generation had to figure out a whole new set of circumstances and work out how we were going to be dads in an environment that was very unlike the one that we grew up in. And it could be that things are moving faster, but I honestly think the task of fatherhood, the role of being a father, has evolved enormously over the last few generations. I think my dad was doing things and trying to figure things out that his dad never really confronted. Like He was home. There was the model of the family man, whether it was Ozzie and Harriet or Dick Van Dyke or whatever, that 
you know, he was involved in the fabric of the family. I think his dad was not home that same way. He was at work. He was traveling. He was doing leisure activities that pulled him away. And I think my dad did that much more than I did growing up or, uh, with our kids growing up, I mean. And so each generation has had to figure this out. And it does bring me back to that that question about community and like, where do we go to share best practices? Because if we're all figuring it out from scratch, but we're smart enough not to have to reinvent the wheel, like, why aren't we creating spaces where we can learn from each other and learn from our own mistakes? Like we were talking about being vulnerable is key. I think it's really important because I think the task is really, really a big challenge. How I've been parenting my kids really very different than the way I was raised. And I think that, you know, with every generation, that's going to keep going. There's going to be an adjustment. There's going to be more, hopefully, openness. And I see in even the young people today, how open they are and how willing they are to talk. And my hope is that this will only continue as we see new fathers that are coming into the picture and as they're starting to raise their own children and and look to engaging them in many different ways, hopefully we're going to see a shift down the road that will continue to move in the right direction. Now, this podcast is all about raising strong, independent women. And let's be honest, not every man is completely emotionally competent. There are men that are, but there's many men that are not. And For those of us that are raising daughters, you definitely need to become more emotionally competent. Do you have ideas of things that men can do if they're finding that their emotional quotient, we'll say, is lacking and they need to become more emotionally competent to be able to connect with and to be able to help their daughters in many different ways? Do you have ideas of ways in which men can move to be able to be stronger in those areas? Yes. I think there are some simple, basic things that we can all work on to bring our emotional competence up, our emotional intelligence, our emotional whatever. I think one of the places to start is actually emotional literacy. I think there's a whole range of feelings and names for those feelings that weren't really stressed when I was growing up. You know, it's really societally okay for men to be angry. It's societally okay for some extreme emotions, but like the full range of I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed, I'm embarrassed. You know, learning some of the names and feelings attached to some of these unpleasant emotions, say negative, because they're not really negative, they're just unpleasant. And some of the positive ones. I was working with a teenager in my practice and one of my colleagues in the community wrote a book and she created eight different emotional sort of centers. And then the way you'll go to a paint store and you'll see all these different shades of the same color. She created a color wheel within each one to talk about all the nuances within sadness, all the nuances within love, all the nuances within anger. And I think expanding our emotional literacy is one place to go. And then I have a number of other suggestions in the book that I wrote right before we met the first time called Laugh More, Yell Less, which the central ones are about listening and about embracing play more and little things that you can do to move yourself in those directions. I think any movement in that direction can be really positive and also can can make a huge difference. We actually have a lot of room to play here. And so 
picking any of those uh, that I suggested or finding other ones in my book, I would highly suggest. You know, I would say that one of the things that I've had to grapple with and question along the way is for men that are lacking in this area, that need to build this area up and maybe have older kids. So for some of the formative years, they haven't been showing that, but they are realizing as their kids get into their teenage years that they better amp it up if they're going to continue to connect with their teenagers in many different ways. If you haven't been willing to put the effort in toward building that, as your kids were young, but now you want to, what are some ways in which you can start to show that you're putting the work in yourself and help your kids to see that you're changing, even when your kids may be like, oh, whatever, you know, you've never done this before, but you want to show them that you're making that adjustment. How can you make those adjustments and see those small wins day by day? That's a great question. I think there are two ideas I have, but I'm going to put them in the frame of do it for you and don't go out there trying to earn some affirmation. Make sure that it's something that you're doing for you or our kids, just like we were, can really sniff out something that isn't authentic. And if you're really trying to make an effort and you really do want to maintain that connection as your kids get older, which is a challenge, make sure you're doing it for you. And and in that, it needs to be something that you enjoy doing. My two suggestions within that frame are be the first to say you're sorry and be the last one to know. And what I mean by that is to find some ways to practice some humility and to put some perspective on what's going on with you now and also what you've done in the past. You know, there are probably lots of conversations if you're finding yourself at this point that eventually need to be had. And being the first to say you're sorry. And being the last to know, and by that I mean keeping your mind open to all the information before you jump to either a response or a conclusion or some kind of defensive posture. Keeping your options open is going to be the best way that you can demonstrate that you're willing to change and adapt and listen and be taken seriously. And I think there's a lot of benefit to having those kind of relationships with your kids as they get older, but it will take some work. That's a great point because if you're not doing it for yourself, you're not going to end up continuing the work and the work does not end. You're going to have to keep working on it over and over again, but the end goal will definitely help you to build those stronger relationships, the relationships with your kids, relationships with your significant other, if you have one, relationships with colleagues and friends, there are definitely wins that you'll see on that day-to-day basis with the, within the different relationships that you have as you're putting that in for yourself and you'll become stronger in the end. Now, Robert, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here today to talk about this. We're going to have you back a few more times this month to be able to talk about other topics as well. If people want to find out more about you, what you're doing, the work that you do, where's the best place for them to go? To my website, robertzeitland.com. Also on social media, Instagram, Dr. Robert Zeitlin, Dr. Robert Zeitlin. And I've written a couple books. The one I was referring to, Laugh More, Yell Less, which is a guide to raising kick-ass kids. And then I, I updated an edition in the pandemic 
which I called the Stuck at Home Edition. And then I followed that up with another one that parents were asking for during the pandemic, which was, But I'm Not a Teacher, which was a guide to learning under lockdown. And so I tried to provide some useful tips for how to involve yourself in your kid's education as so many of us were enlisted in the moment and actually never really asked permission, just sort of sent to the front. So a lot of information that I share in there in both those books includes the kind of wellness and the kind of steps that you can take to move move forward. And also on my website, there's information about my program for dads, which is called Be the Best Dad Ever. Well, Robert, I just want to say thank you again for being here. And I will be talking to you again soon. And I wish you all the best. Thanks, Christopher. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time we give the lessons, we make the meals, we buy them presents. Bring your A-game, cause those kids are growing fast. The time goes by just like a dynamite blast. Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men. Get out and be the world to Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.